here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's my music. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 63, and it is the first installment of a new recurring series here on the show called Jammin' Around Japan. And to help me kick this thing off here is the host of the podcast, Wrestling Omakaze, which is also part of the VOW Podcast Network. It's my good friend, John Carroll. Hello, John. Hi, Andrew. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Good. Just off of work at 1 o'clock today. Got tomorrow off. Everything's great. Although, I guess the timeline will make no sense when people hear this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, uh, we're doing this on July 3rd. This is the recording date, so uh, right before uh, Big Fourth of July weekend and whatnot. But uh, everybody you know, knows my favorite holiday. Big fan. <laughs> yes, big yes, fan yes, of the yes. America. <laughs> We're all aware of of how patriotic John Carroll is. We, we all know that, but <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you're here, though. I'm glad you're here. Uh, I mean, you're like the perfect person to do this episode with me because it's about Japanese wrestling themes. Uh, anybody who knows you knows that you're a massive Japanese wrestling fan. You watch uh, multiple promotions, not just one or two. The title of your podcast has a Japanese word in it. So I, I think I made a pretty good choice going with you here for this one, John. Like I said on Twitter, you you went to your Rolodex. You're like, okay, I have this idea for this Japanese episode. So you went to your Rolodex. You went to the page marked Weeaboo. <laughs> and I was there number one with a bullet. So. <laughs> well, well, you were recently in Japan for a few weeks on a big wrestling trip. Uh, you, you went to the Super Juniors Finals, the Dominion Show, um, Dragon Gate, DDT. J-Stage. Um, J-Stage, J-Stage, J-Stage right, yeah. Um, Michinoku Pro, can't forget those. Gato Move. Um, yeah, you went to like 10 shows or, or somewhere close to that. Yeah, 10, which is actually down for me because um, I went with my I went with my girlfriend and, you know, I didn't think she really wanted to wait for me to go to like 16 shows, which is what I went to on my last trip. So I cut back. So it was 10 shows in about 15 days compared to... 16 in about the same amount of time maybe a couple more days i don't i don't remember how long my 2017 trip was now but yeah and uh i, I know kelly harris was there too uh taylor mainborg um paul 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 Volsch, right uh alan cunahan his wife sarah uh jojo remy went to a few shows because he lives in japan obviously um I, I mean i probably could have done the trip too uh, i i do have the means but uh, I also, I, I lack the paid vacation days. 
that uh, everyone else seems to have. But, uh, you know, one day I'll make the trip over to Japan and uh, go to Tokyo and, and Cork and Hall and Osaka and all those places. So w- one day, I'm sure. Well, my next trip, Andrew, you got like two years so to get a job and pay vacations. I'm probably <laughs> not going back again until um, like the end of 2021 because I'm trying to do it. I'm doing it like every two years now. So and I probably I, I just I'm kind of telling myself I finally need to do a Wrestle Kingdom because it's like the last big New Japan thing I haven't done. So I've done the G1 final, I've done Dominion now. So again, I've even done six, I did the last Invasion Attack for the change of name. So you know now I guess up, up next will be Wrestle Kingdom. Even though like people who actually like live in Japan will tell you it's really not anything like. Being in the building for Wrestle Kingdom, I guess, is the draw. But like, as far as like your sight lines, it's like the worst show you can go to. So, well, yeah, it's a baseball stadium. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's not built for wrestling; it's built for baseball. Yeah, so. I, I have been to Tokyo Dome twice, including on this last trip. But I went there for baseball. So, right, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, John, we are here on the first edition of Jammin' Around Japan. Uh, I can't call it bouncing around Japan because Rich and Joe have the trademark on that, and I don't want to get sued. But uh... when's the last time they even did that segment, though? I'm trying to—I was thinking about this when you said that on Twitter. I was like, I can't remember the last time we bounced around Japan. Well, there's the whole you know bouncing around uh, brand, I guess. Uh, you know, bouncing mm-hmm. around Japan, bouncing around the Indies, bouncing around Lucha. You know, th- th- that's their thing. That's true. And I figured jamming around Japan, you know, jamming would be good to tie into the music and fit the whole theme of the show and by the way the name of the arcade games expo in japan is jamma ah so, i don't know what that has to do with anything but i don't know as soon as you said jamming around japan i just kept thinking jamma but i don't know you can probably cut that out honestly. <laughs> <laughs> well anyway anyway uh jamming around japan is where we will look at eight theme songs each one coming from a different japanese promotion I will say now that we will not do a New Japan theme because, you know, we've covered just so much New Japan on the podcast already. And with this episode here, I, I kind of wanted to show some love to the other promotions in Japan there, John. Say so, you now, I, I did make a last minute push to get Taichi theme on here because I thought it was only fitting. But we already did that Andrew. with the New Japan grab bag episode with Damon last year, so no dice, sir. <laughs> um, and, and I'll say as well that we're not going to go super obscure here. Um, if you're like at least somewhat knowledgeable about Japanese wrestling, there's a good chance that you'll know both the wrestlers and the promotions. Uh, we're not going to do tradition or Secret Base, or Hard Hit, or Land's End. Where's my or... goddamn Oz Academy? <laughs> Again, not today, John, not today. <laughs> Maybe a little too deep in the first episode, I think. <laughs> I went to I went to an Oz Academy show for the first time, and it's, it's very sad we're not going to represent them here. Yeah, we'll save that for like the 8th uh, edition, I think. <laughs> so, uh, John, I'm ready. I know you're ready. So without further ado, it's time... To go jamming around Japan. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, My lawyers are telling me now that uh, the Orient Express theme has also been trademarked by Rich and Joe. So we can't play it, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, Luckily, though, uh, we do have other music to play. Starting with this first theme here from Pro Wrestling Noah. And when I think of Noah, I think of this guy. 
He's been with them since the beginning, very much, I think, the face of the company. He's held all their titles. He's the vice president of NOAA currently. It is, of course, now Michi Marafuji. And Marafuji's theme for many years has been by Takafumi Matsuda. It can be found on plenty of albums. I found this on Pro Wrestling Noah theme album Departure. This is called Hysteric. Here we go! agree, John, right off the bat here that this song is just plain awesome. Um, I know it's one of your favorite themes of all time. I love it too. It's just, it's so catchy and energetic and really gets you hyped up for wrestling. And I love how the intro really sets the tone, kicking it off with, here we go! No long build-up, no moody intro, none of that stuff. It's just, it's, it's full speed ahead from the beginning. Yeah, it's it's a one of my favorites. Like you said, even when I was just first getting into Puro, and like the early ops, it was a uh, you know a theme song I latched onto right away. Since Noah was one of the companies I was watching right at the beginning. Um, but yeah, I mean Marafuji, his theme song always stood out. I mean he stood out at the time. He was like this very colorful, uh, you know, this junior heavyweight, you know, in a company full of old grumpy old grumpy heavyweights he's like this young junior you know with this like colorful kind of persona and you know this very exciting wrestling style and i think the theme song really matches that very exciting wrestling style that he especially had when he first started right right and the title of the song is perfect too hysteric it's high intensity high energy the music is bouncing off the walls uh, it's mostly techno, but there's a little rock edge to it as well, if you listen closely. But it's just hysteria from start to finish. Uh, I think you would make this comparison as well, John, that it's like a DDR song. Yes. Where there's constantly something going on, and it's techno, and it's manic. Even, like, the little bit of vocals in there, you know, move that body, move that body, sensation, new vibration. It's the kind of stuff you would hear in a rhythm game to keep it going and keep it motivated. Yeah, it's a very, like, uh, I don't know, they they love dance music in general in Japan. I mean, you know, lots of countries do, obviously. But it definitely sounds like something that would be, that wouldn't have been out of place on, like, DDR Extreme or, you know, one of the mixes around then. So I'm not really, I'd always kind of thought about it, actually. Like, should I try to make my own step file 
for <laughs> for hysteric. If I ever learned how to make step files, I would have probably done it for hysteric. But it's like the perfect kind of song for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, it, it totally fits with Marufuji's style as a wrestler too. Like he, he's zipping around the ring, doing all these cool kicks and springboards and. Uh, the Shooting Star Press he used to do, and the Shirinui Kai, and he wears those cool masks to the ring. He very much looks and wrestles like the song, where it's fast-paced and kinetic and futuristic even. And I think the story goes, I'm pretty sure this is true, that Marafuji himself found this song on like a random techno CD back in the day. I believe that's correct, yeah. Yeah, and I think he made a pretty good choice too, because he's had it for you know years and years now. He didn't pick a song that I guess was easy to clear the rights to because it got muted every single time he would be on New Japan World, which yeah. <laughs> which pissed me off every single time. Right, right. And uh, one more thing for me about this song. I think as a side effect, it really accentuates the differences between Marufuji and Kenta. Yes. Because Kenta Fuji was just a fucking awesome tag team. And the two of them work so well together. But at the end of the day, they're very much two different guys. Like, on the one hand, you've got Marufuji coming out to this, you know, boppy entrance theme with his colorful masks and his long tights. And on the other hand, you've got angry boy Kenta in the yellow and brown trunks coming out to hip-hop. So it, it really highlights, I think, just how different these two guys are. See, now you're a Kenta Fuji guy, huh? I was always a Maru Kenta guy. As far as what the team name should be. <laughs> but but no, I agree. I mean, it's really just like two very different personas and they get it across right in their theme songs. Since you brought up Kenta, by the way, what do you think of his new New, new Japan theme? Um, I'd have to listen to it on its own first because they did play it in like a hype video and there's like talking bits over it. Yeah. But from what I've heard, it sounds pretty good. Um, I, I know you, you can't replicate that, that same feeling as when he came out to you know, the hip hop in Noah. You know, T.I. or where to hood at or whatever, yeah. but I think once I hear it in full, I can judge this new song better. Yeah, I mean, it sounds cool, and but it's definitely not not really going with that hip-hop vibe that he had at the time. I still remember he came out to, like, The Champ Is Here on a random, when he, before he'd actually won the title. I think, again, the Tokyo Dome against Kanemaru, which is still one of my favorite, like, theme song moments of all time. He's like, he's so confident he's going to beat Kanemaru. It's like, yep, The Champ's here. Coming out to the Rey Mysterio Jr. Jam in ROH. Like, it's this totally random song, but it's hip-hop, and it's Kento, so it, it oddly works, I think. <laughs> yeah. But Marafuji, I think, came out to Hysteric every single time in, in Ring of Honor, because I, I saw him in Ring of Honor a lot, and I felt like I heard that song quite a few times. Up next is a man who puts the big in Big Japan Pro Wrestling. It's the muscle monster Daisuke Sekimoto, one half of the tag team Strong BJ. Uh, BJ meaning Big Japan, folks, not the other one. <laughs> All right, get, get serious now, people. Come on. Uh, he's in the team with Yuji Okabayashi, and Sekimoto has had success in a number of promotions, Big Japan, All Japan, DDT, Zero One, all sorts of places. His theme is off of the 2002 album BJW Theme Song Collection, it's by Yamazaki Tenke, and it's called Crown of Winner. <laughs>
this is definitely not in the same vein as Hysteric. It's, it, it's a different kind of song, that's for sure. Very much, I think, similar to a lot of classic Pearl themes that have the hard and heavy rock guitars mixed in with, like, the schmaltzy 80s keyboards. And there is a lot of emotion and, and power with how it's being played, and a real sense of class as well. Uh, even the title has a serious vibe to it, Crown of Winner. It feels very official and sports-like, and given that it's Sekimoto, that makes a lot of sense there, John. Yeah, I mean, he's not, he's a very no-nonsense type of guy, so it makes, I think it really works for him. It's just like, yeah, you're gonna hear some, I don't know, almost funky-esque guitar, guitar licks, but like, it's very like, you know, serious and like, you know, this is, this is like the champion, or at least, if he's not the champion, he's almost always like, a top guy and like an, the ace of the strong division so it really does fit him well it reminds me of like um like you're saying like like past themes for like ace type wrestlers as like a very it has it does have like sort of an 80s vibe to it it sounds like something you could picture like antonio Inoki coming out to or something yeah it's very old school in that sense and sekimoto is a guy who's also very old school like he's got the black trunks and the black boots and he's a big meat man who beats people up that's it. That's all there is to him. And he doesn't have a wacky gimmick or, or or anything like that. He's just a violent wrestler. And even the keyboards in the song, I think, they're, they're not like Marafuji keyboards. They're not over-the-top crazy techno. I think they add a little bit of variety to the song, but they don't take away from how badass Sekimoto is. Yeah. And like you said, it was on a 2002 album, so he's had this theme song for like nearly 20 years now, which is kind of crazy to think about, but... I mean, people don't realize how long he's been a, how how long he's actually been around. I think because, you know, not that many people, even in like the hardcore uh, English speaking Japanese wrestling community, were watching a lot of Big Japan in like 2004. So, but I, I feel, think he feels newer than he actually is sometimes to people. But he's been around a long time, and this theme song has been exactly the same for 17 years. So. And this is the strong BJ theme as well, which also works because it's not like Okabayashi is this you know tiny cruiserweight guy. He's also <laughs> a very big, thick man in black boots and trunks who beats people up. Yeah. So it works as both a singles theme and as a tag team theme because um, the strong BJ team is such a natural pairing of two very similar guys. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very like almost chill theme, but like in a way where it's like. You know, this guy's such a badass, that, or them as a team, that they don't need, like, big, you know, uh, rocking guitars or whatever to, to warn. It's just like, yeah, we're going to come out to some, like, almost elevator-sounding music, whatever. You know, if you uh, if you got a problem with that, we'll just kick your ass anyway. So. <laughs> uh, John, I have a very important question to ask you now. Who is the cutest in the world? Uh, I believe that would be Maki Ito. Oh, I'm sorry. The correct answer is Zoe Deschanel. Zoe Deschanel. Tell them what the consolation prize is, Johnny. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, the answer is, indeed, Maki Ito. Uh, the woman who stole my heart, WrestleMania weekend. Uh, go back and listen to the uh, Mania weekend episode I did a few months ago and hear the whole story on that. But, um, yeah, Maki is one of the stars of Tokyo Joshi Pro which is one of the Joshi promotions in Japan, and a sub-promotion of DDT Wrestling, which we'll get to later on here. She's also a former Japanese idol, which is a big part of her character, uh, including her theme song, 
because she and fellow wrestler Mizuki, together known as the Ito Respect Army, sing Maki's theme song. It's called Setsu Nairo, translated The Color of Sadness. Maki Ito, and uh, John, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, is that she was an idol in this group called, I think it's called Linku or Link? I think it's, I, uh, I think it's Link. It could, okay. be, it could be Linku, but I'm pretty sure it's Link. I'm not a, not an expert on Link, unfortunately. Okay, but... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fine, that's fine. And um, she was there for a few years, and then they fired her, because I, I think she wasn't popular enough or she wasn't cute enough or her head no, was no, no. okay i can give what you what was it john what was it well this i can this i can tell you about a little bit so so the reason why maki ito so maki ito was an idol i don't know if people listening really knows what that means in a japanese context so i will quickly try to explain that basically idol groups in japan are you know these these all-girl groups um you know they usually recruit girls from all over the country and they're usually quite large, you know, especially the, the more mainstream ones. And, you know, basically you're starting usually under 18, you know, you're starting, um, basically it's a struggle to stand out, right? That's like one of the big struggles because you're in this group with like anywhere. 40 people in it. Yeah. yeah sometimes it could be like 40 people. I, I think Link wasn't really that many. I, right now looking at their lineup, it looks like it's about 11 or 12. So they're a little bit smaller than like your AKBs, but like you know, you still gotta stand out among twelve people. I mean, it's not easy. So what Maki did, and Maki has talked a lot about this in you know in some of the stuff she said and like some of the other you know things and like how uncomfortable she was, especially at first. Um, but basically, what she what she tried to do was she tried to be, um, you know, she tried to have a a persona that was more intimidating than anything or like off-putting or like you know obviously a lot of idols will try to be very happy and uh you know alluring which is i guess the point of idols right so maki's like to stand out i'm gonna like just fucking frown at everybody instead of smiling and i'm just gonna like you know kind of come off unapproachable and antithetical to the idol spirit yeah that kind of worked in the fact that it did make her stand out and it did get her noticed but it also did not work in that obviously she was never it was never she was never going to be the most popular one doing stuff like that so you know she just wasn't very popular as far, as far as i understand it as an idol in the group 
and you know they they do like things where like they have a center basically to a song so the the idol singing and that's like the most prominent idol in that song is considered the center of the song the one who's getting the most lines basically getting to sing the most and i think she had a real trouble like getting a um like getting a center or getting to be the center of a song so i'm not an idol expert by the way so if any of this is wrong <laughs> idol fans can feel free to correct me i just i have friends who are very very into idols so i'm just reciting what i've picked up and what i've read um but yeah, so Maki basically, while still an idol, she was like, well, I'm not really succeeding this way. I have an idea. I'm going to go train to be a pro wrestler. <laughs> now, how the fuck she had that idea, I have no idea. I've never read that. I don't know if she, I think she just went to a DDT show or something and just happened to, like, get recruited. But she decided to start training for a wrestler as an idol. So at first, she was like the idol you can fight right now. And then Link, like, decided, you know we don't really love this, uh, you're fired. So she went from being the idol you can fight right now to the fired idol you can fight right now. So if anyone's wondering what Link means, by the way, it stands for love in Kyushu, um, which you don't actually spell Kyushu with a Q, but I guess it works as far as like a weird English Japanese pun. But they were the they were based in Fukuoka, so way out west, or are still based in Fukuoka, so way out west in the island of Kyushu. But yeah, so she's no longer an idol. She's full-time uh, wrestler, except she does still perform um, idol concerts. And you know, they this song, as you know, as you were saying, was recorded with her and Mizuki, who, as far as I know, has no idol background. I mean, Mizuki is actually a you know been around as a wrestler for a while. She started way back in 2012, so years before she went to Tokyo Joshi in 2017. But I guess she just is like, you know, a wrestler who happened to be a pretty good singer. And that's why Maki Ito decided to team up with her. And they, you know, they performed the song together. Uh, the song has a music video, which if people haven't seen, it's really kind of cool. They just, they sing and then they like intermittently like beat up the camera. Like uh, Mizuki like throws a forearm and Maki Ito headbutts it and Mizuki like stomps on the camera. But they're very, they're very violent to the poor camera. But yeah, so, and they do concerts. I mean, Maki Ito's even talked about, I don't, I don't think they're that frequent, but like Maki, I remember there was like a famous video where she like, show, she showed like the, the seating chart of all the seats she had to had to sell. Oh, I saw and that, yeah. Yeah, she like screamed in the camera like, why are there so many seats to sell? I have to sell all of these seats? Are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> and she starts beating up the paper. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, Magio's entire character is basically, like, peak millennial. That's basically her. Like, she goes back from being, like, incredible self-confidence, like, ridiculous self-confidence to, to like, depression. Like, those are her only two moods is she has, she has like, a totally unearned, um, like, incredible belief in herself. Even when faced with, like, Aja Kong, she somehow still thinks she's going to kick her ass and win. Gives her the finger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gives her the finger and, like, goes down fighting. She's definitely... You can call Maki Ito many things. You cannot call her a coward. Well, getting back to the song here, uh, <laughs> this whole song is about, you know, overcoming adversity and believing in yourself and don't let others tell you what to do. And, yeah, times are tough, but keep going. You're strong enough. It's the Maki Ito story. Yeah. It's her story in song form. And if you look at the lyrics here translated, it's so easy to think of all the reasons there are to tell myself I'll never make it. 
but none of them are true, and I can't give up. I don't want to regret it. I just want to move forward. So if I go at the same pace as everyone else, I'll never be number one. If I'm going to win, then I've got to start running, even though they'll whisper behind my back. There's only one path I should take. Never be afraid, never be afraid, because if our lives are going to end one day, you've got to jump in. You've got to jump right in. Don't doubt yourself. Don't doubt yourself. You've only got one chance at life. Don't do what they tell you. Don't do what they say. If you're a real woman, fall with grace, fall with grace, then bloom again. Like, those are not new concepts necessarily, but the fact that this is clearly inspired by her story, these are her words, and it's being sung in her voice, I think it really adds to the emotion and the weight of the song, John. Yeah, it's a great song. I'm sad that they retired it in favor of a new theme, which I don't like the new theme as much, but I get why, because it kind of made no sense for Mizuki to still be singing it when they broke up last year. But um, but yeah, it's just a great, a great, great, great song. So, um, And like you said, very much fits the theme um, of her whole character. And, you know, I sometimes, like, before I watched the video, I had no idea that she was saying war <laughs> before. Yeah, I thought it's they like, were saying whoa. Whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 but whoa, no, whoa, whoa. saying war, both of them. So that becomes obvious to watch the video because they, like, subtitle that word there, so... Yeah, and I think that sums up so well the duality of Maki Ito, where she's so inspiring and cute, and she still dresses like an idol and whatnot, but she's also this like fearless warrior, badass, yeah. who swears and headbutts people and gives them the finger. Like She's not going to back down from a fight at all. She's going to go on the attack and go to war and choke a motherfucker out if she needs to. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't give a shit. I mean, she, look, she went right in Konosuke Takashita's face and was like, motherfucker, let's fight. And I'm like, that is a much... Not, that's, you, you didn't just pick a fight with a larger man. You went and picked the a fight with, like... The ace of DDT. Yeah, the ace of DDT. She's like, I'm not fucking satisfied fighting just other women in Tokyo Joshi. I want to fight the ace of DDT, too. Which was really kind of cool. But that's just what her character is. She just doesn't give a shit. Yeah, she's awesome. She's awesome. We're going to go now to Dragon Gate and talk about one of their up-and-coming wrestlers. Dragon Gate has a bunch of younger guys who are on the ascent there and uh, trying to make a name for themselves in wrestling. Benkei, Shun Skywalker, Yuki Yoshioka, Dragon Dia, the big cat, Hayao Watanabe. Today, we'll be looking at the theme of Kaito Ishida, who is a member of the Maximum Stable. His theme is by a band called Cold Ride, one word, all caps, K-O-L-D-R-Y-D-E. It's off of Dragon Gate official soundtrack over Generation 2018. It's called Just a Kick Boy. I just kick boy, I just a kick boy. Yeah. 
You know, John, some of these themes, they're just so complicated. You know, like, the intricacies, the complexities of it all, they're just too hard to understand sometimes. And I think this song is a good example of that. I just kick boy. I'm just a kick boy. John, I'm so confused here. What is this all about? Uh, I believe it is about how he enjoys kicking. I don't know about that. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, in all seriousness, this is not a hard concept to grasp, for sure. Like, Kaito Ishida is a wrestler who does a lot of kicks in his offense. That's his thing. So, fuck it. Why not just go with a song that is all about being a kick boy? Like, I don't know what the other lyrics are, because they're in Japanese and I couldn't find a translation of them, but honestly, you don't need to know about that kind of stuff, I think. Just, it, it says everything right there in the chorus with those two lines. And I find oftentimes that the best themes are also the simplest, John. Yeah, this is a good one. I really I really enjoy this one. Uh, I haven't seen a live Dragon Gate this year, so the first time I heard it was when I went to their Horkin show during my Japan trip a few weeks ago. And I don't I don't remember who Ishida was even fighting, but I just remember he did come up to his theme. And I was like, oh, that's a pretty awesome new theme for Ishida. It's very catchy. So I down I went and like found it like pretty much as soon as I got home. So um, it's by a band called Cold So Cold Ride, by the way, is supposed to be like cool, dry, and ride. So that's like the three words they decided to put together, except in, you know, different spelling. And they're supposed to be they're like a rap rock mix band from Tokyo, people are wondering. Look like they've been around since about 2017. So, not sure why they ended up doing Dragon Gate's theme, but uh, they, you know, Dragon Gate went out and apparently found a found a band they liked. I think this is also on a Cold Ride album, yeah. too. So, Dragon Gate probably got it from that, I, I think. But um, I, I think the genre, it works well for Ishida as well. Uh, this attitudinal punk rock kind of song, it, it works for him because... He's a younger guy. He's got that young punkish attitude within him, trying to come up against the veterans. And it's a blunt force type of sound, too. Very sharp and in your face, just like Ashita's kicks are. So it's perfect. Yeah. Um, a little funny story here. Uh, about a couple months ago, Alan Cunahan on Twitter was like, Wait a minute, is Kaito Ashita's music actually I just kick boy? I'm just a kick boy? And I told him, Yes, Alan, it is. And he was like, you need to do a Music of the Mad episode right now. <laughs> so, uh, Alan, if you're listening, there you go, buddy. You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, it's really ridiculously catchy. So I have to give him credit. It's like, it is stuck in my head. I don't think, I'm not sure if it's off an album, though. I think they did make it for them. Really? I, I, I think, could have sworn they, I saw it on an They al- put it on their album, I think. Because ah, okay. they, I'm looking at their list of albums. The first thing I listed in is like, it says 2018-628 release, Wrestling Dragon Gate over Generation 2018. So he's had this longer than I thought. Wow, I'm really, I'm really behind on Dragon Gate, apparently. And then it says 2018-95, second mini album, Desera, and it's on Desera. So 
yeah. Okay, so, so I, it was the reverse of what I thought it was. Okay, then. Thanks. Yeah. 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 So I think they like they because I don't know. It seems a little weird that they would they would write a song about a kick boy. And then, like, uh, you never know. <laughs> you never know who, with bands. These who the days. fuck are they Come writing? On. Who are they writing? Do, do, do they make the song about I don't know uh, Okuda? <laughs> you never know. <laughs> They saw they saw Akuda and DNA and they were like, Oh, he's a kick boy or like Keisuke Ishii and then Dragon Kid's like, Well it works for Ishida too. I don't know. Well we brought it up earlier, but now it's time to delve fully into the world of DDT wrestling. And if Marfuji is the face of Noah, then this guy is the face of DDT because he's not only wrestled for the company since the beginning, he's also one of the founders of the company, and he's also the current president of the company. It's Senshiro Takagi, and his theme is by everybody's favorite German techno band, Scooter. Um, it's also the only German techno band that I think everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Scooter. Uh, the original version of this song is found on their 1997 album Age of Love, but Takagi uses a remix of the song called Fire TPR Mix. If you want to see Stone Cold, give Gorgeous Matsuno a Stone Cold Stunner. Give me a hell yeah! <laughs> so a little explanation here. Takagi does a Stone Cold Steve Austin parody gimmick. He's got the black trunks, the black wrist tape. One of his finishers is the Stunner. And in his theme song, it's littered with the Stone Cold Glass Shatter. It is all over this thing. Now, I don't know if the rest of the song actually matches up with Stone Cold Steve Austin himself all that much, but I think in its own right, it's a pretty fun song, regardless, uh, John. I think it was made for Takagi, right? I find it hard to believe. Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. They happen to find a song with the Stone Cold Glass in it. Because, <laughs> like, and Scooter, like, apparently liked it enough to post it to his official channel in, like, 2014. But he puts it as, like, Scooter, Fire, TPR, Mix, and this is, like, in Kanji, uh, Nihongo, like, Mix, basically, like, Nihongo version. So, like, Japanese version. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I just thought that was interesting that he, like, he apparently heard what they did and liked enough to put it on his own channel, so. But, unless, unless it was, like, a mix that they just happened to make, and he, Takagi just found it and was like, oh, well, it's got the glass, but I doubt it. 
But yeah, I mean, like, it, he was like a Stone Cold cosplayer, basically. Like, that was his entire gimmick when he first started. And we're talking, like, I mean, he started when Austin was, a, you know, the top star in wrestling. He started, like, 1989. So he started at the same time as Austin and then outlasted him by, like, several decades because he's still wrestling to this day. I mean, he was just on the main event of Last Corican. So it is kind of funny how that worked out. And he still, you know, he still does the all four corners pose. And in fact, he times it to the music. You know, especially the last one, where it basically, you know, do the three corners, you know, put the arms up, and then he'll go to that fourth corner, and he'll wait, and wait for the music to get to the, the next glass and the, and the guy yelling fire, because I guess there's a, there's like a little bit of a bridge there, and then that's when he'll put his arms up, and that's when the entire crowd at Corkin will do it. And my favorite part, actually, is when he's waiting and waiting for to do that, If when, back when he used to team with Awashi a lot, because you, you mentioned Tiju Hide, which is unfortunately no longer with us. But back when him and Awashi were teamed together, Awashi would always put his arms up, too, for the, the glass break-like arm pose, but he would do it in a way that like made it clear he has no fucking interest in this whatsoever. <laughs> it would be like, yeah, here we go, the arms thing, okay, basically, which I always found really funny. Yeah, it's a very manic song, uh, much like Marafuji's theme is. But with Marafuji's theme, the mania was streamlined, if that makes sense. You know, it's just that one guy on a DDR machine going nuts. This is, like, so much bigger. This is a giant rave going on. You've got the Euro dance. You've got the gang vocals with the hey, hey, hey. The speedy guitar riffs. The woo. The fast-paced vocals, back to the family, a guaranteed emergency. One, two, three, fire! Fire! It's a whole big to-do. Just so hectic and so busy. And perhaps this is DDT's way of saying that shit is about to go down. Much like how in WWE, the glass would shatter and people would go crazy because here comes Austin to raise some hell. Here the glass shatters and this crazy rave music hits, and it evokes the same response. Well, it's one of those songs to me where the entrance feels like an event to the crowd, you know? Like, the crowd is super into, you know, doing the pose with them, and I don't know, it just feels like when, when you attend DDT shows, whether it's the one here in America or especially in Japan, it just seems like the crowd is, like, very into doing the pose with in time with Takagi, and, like, just, if, I don't know, like, the, some theme songs just feel like, you know, a, an event, and this, to me, like, feels like it. Like, this entrance feels like, you know, something people think of when they think of DET. And like, oh, what am I going to see at DET? Well, I know I'm going to see Takagi's entrance, and it's gonna, I'm going to get to do the arm thing. So I'm sure it is, like, part of a, a little mini-draw that makes sense to people. Uh, and I think the, the glass-shattering effect works, like, shockingly well with the song. Yeah, it's mixed really well. Yeah. Yeah. So they did a really good job. And I think the song also matches the chaotic nature of DDT in general. Yeah. You know, DDT is one big crazy party with pool fights and sex dolls and hardcore matches and sodomy and <laughs> whatever the fuck Hoshitango is. Like, there's just so much crazy madness going on. So the fact that the president of the company has this song as his theme is quite fitting, I think. Yeah, it really, I think it does really fit him really well. and It's a really fun song to karaoke, too. Which we did so, at Mania Weekend, did, yeah. yeah. Do you think at the DDT show in New York that there was like at least one guy in the crowd 
who had never seen DDT before, and he heard the glass shatter and was like, "Is Stone Cold here? What's going on?" Probably not. Probably not like the fu- when Shinsuke's theme came out. And like everyone, yeah. like half the crowd thought they were getting Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm like, now guys, you're getting Shinsuke. Yeah, uh, which is much better, honestly, in 2019. Well, yeah, yeah. Like that half that crowd needed to like chill, I guess. I don't know. More effort, at least, you know. <laughs> much more effort, yeah. We're going to go back now to the world of Joshi here, uh, specifically Stardom, which I believe is the most prominent Joshi promotion right now. And like almost all Japanese promotions, Stardom has a bunch of different units, one of which is the top heel unit in the company, Oedo Tai. And Oedo Tai have had a bunch of different wrestlers come in and out over the years. Kagetsu, Hazuki, Tam Nakano, Hanakamura... Uh, various foreign wrestlers like Chris Wolf, Jamie Hayter, Session Moth Martina. So an eclectic mix of ladies, that's for sure. Their theme can be found on the album Stardom Goddesses of Music. This is the Oedo Ranbu. another common type of Japanese theme, which is the mashup of the traditional East Asian music with the modern hard rock music. There have been so many of these kind of themes over the years. Uh, Here you have the flutes, the strings, kind of the tribal percussion in there as well, Uh, the sensual Japanese lady singing at the beginning, and then it all kicks off with the big rock guitars and the big pounding drums and the tempo speeds up and whatnot and just it becomes this total badass song it's not the most original kind of song of course but one that i think always makes for a pretty cool sound in the end john yeah so this this unit by the way was founded by hanakimura's mother uh, kyoko kimura because originally it was kind of like the it started as kimura monster goon and then sort of just turned into Oedo tai and the you know the theme song makes a lot of sense when you think of what Oedo Tai means, like the actual name, um, which is like the kanji basically is great Oedo, great Edo uh, army is what what you basically would translate to in English. And Edo, of course, was what they called Tokyo um, before it was Tokyo, from like the um, you know when the city was founded in like the early 1600s until right when they the Meiji Restoration happened in the late 1800s. So basically the theme, the name of the theme and the name of the unit is supposed to basically like 
already give you like you know this nostalgic feeling of what Tokyo used to be, and stardom is very is a very Tokyo centric motion, so that also makes sense. But um, but yeah, I mean like so that's basically I think why they went with that very like traditional Japanese sound to it. Um, and then the the song the song name itself, you know, is basically like Oedo Rambu, which is like Oedo Wild Dance. And of course, they used to do a very elaborate the big dance. dance. Theme song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, the name makes a lot of sense. They don't do the dance anymore, Andrew. You want to tell people why? Didn't they lose a match where yes, they, they put up a... the dances like a like like a lucha de apuesta? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Wager was... your mask, your hair, your dancing. You know? <laughs> do you know what they put the dance up against or now? Um, I want to say I know it, but. Can't remember what it is right now. It was Queen Queen Quest masks, those like tiger mask things they come out with. Oh right, the, the cool masks, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now you could have gone either way with that because the the Queen Quest masks were like that started with Io Shirai basically. So you know you could have seen that going either way, where like Queen's Quest will drop their masks since Io's gone and probably not coming back for a long time if ever. But you know when when Tai lost a dance, they lost a dance the night before. Um, you know, they like a, a match where a unit was gonna have to break up. So a lot of people were scared when they lost that dance. It's like, oh, they're just gonna break up a widow tie now. But thankfully, widow tie to the many Western fans because this unit's very popular in the West. They survived, and instead, it was the Jungle Assault Nation led by Jungle Kiona that broke up, which then kind of sort of came into uh, the new Tokyo Cyber Squad unit formed by former widow tie member Hana Kimura. So. All kind of goes full circle there. But yeah, so Oedo Tai lives on, and the Oedo Rambu lives on, but there's no more dance. And I always, pre- I presume it's just they got tired of doing the fucking dance. <laughs> all, I mean, it must be really... The same reason why like the the dancing went away in Dragon Gate for so long before... Uh, natural pro- Vibes. Before Natural Vibes brought it back, which much to your great Natsuzumi Yokozuka. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah so, uh, I, I assume that it just gets tiring after a while. It's like, we have to do a whole goddamn wrestling match why do we gotta do a whole damn dance too so yeah they did get they talked about the dance but the the wild dance theme lives on and i do enjoy this scene quite a bit so very fitting theme yeah it's a nice blending of styles uh much like how wedo tai is also this blending of styles in a way um you, you have this group of you know attractive women many of whom are japanese and i think they do have this intrinsic elegance to them, but that elegance is corrupted, so to speak, by the fact that they're bad guys, and they're badasses, and they wear all black. So you have also this song where it starts off with the beautiful, traditional Japanese music, but then it gets corrupted. It becomes this epic metal song. Yeah, and I think it would give people like a bit of a nostalgic feeling, which makes sense for the name, so... The Great Edo, the Great Edo Army, but uh, but yeah, that's our way to tie. Which you know, hopefully the the theme of the units keeps on for a while, even though the dance is gone. Moving on now to a guy who just a few months ago became a freelancer, but had spent many years before that associated with the Wrestle One promotion. He's got a good look a great personality, and maybe the best laugh in wrestling, depending on what you think of it. It's Jiro Ikemen Kuroshio, who, uh, John, you and I saw wrestle Rich Swan at WrestleMania weekend in a fun little match there. His theme is by an artist named Masaharu Fukuyama, 
This is off of his 1995 album M Collection, Kaze o Sagashiteru. It's called Hello. <laughs> Hello. this song is just delightful you know it's just a a lovely piece of music it's a nice light acoustic pop song some sweet vocals it's a love song about a guy who is yearning after somebody there's a saxophone solo in there as well it's just so pleasant and happy and not every wrestler can make this work obviously but for a guy like Jiro whose whole gimmick is that he's just a super happy guy it totally works John yeah, I mean, Ikai Band, you know, it's a very, like, um, it's a very Japanese uh, traditional, like, type of, a, you know, like a good-looking man who's, like, still masculine, but, like, they're, they still have, like, I don't know the best way to describe it. It's not, like, softer features, but, like... Would metrosexual like, slight, work? Sort of. I, I don't know if they're really, that's not really what they're going for. It's, like, it's tough to describe in, like, a, in, like, a Western context. It's just, like, basically... You can sort of say feminine qualities, but like it, it's supposed to balance out masculine qualities. It's not really supposed to just like, you know, maybe metrosexual is okay, but I think it's just it seems a little bit uh, hard to define. Deck- I think yeah, yeah, hard to define. I mean, like you know, you're also supposed to be very reserved. Um, you know, you're supposed to like give up this vibe that you're like maybe some kind of uh, like smart person beneath the surface. So it's not just about your look, but you're also supposed to like. You know, just be very cool and be very like, you know, the not out, not like overtly outgoing, like just kind of in the corner. Instead of the guy on the dance floor in a club, maybe you're the guy in the corner who looks really cool but doesn't have to do anything. You know, would you say like an- tranquilo, perhaps? <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. a little on yeah, brand for John. <laughs> there you go. But but yeah, so I mean, the character makes sense for him. He's just, he's very like he's over the top and flamboyant, but at the same time, he's you know, he's got, like, that, like, sort of noble air to him, too, so it kind of works for him. Yeah, some of the lyrics here. When we look at each other passionately, I have a feeling that we could be lovers. When I wish for you in a parade of stars, I fill with strengthening emotions, causing sleepless nights. When romance starts to run, you can't stop it. Embracing an excitement that no one knows about, I'll be able to catch you and a smile. I'm sure. Like, you're not going to give this to Kanamaru. No. You're not going to give this to Takeda. You know, you can't give this to a, a rough, rough dude. You need a smiling, 
happy-go-lucky guy to make this work. And Jiro is just that. He's got the big smile, the big laugh, the colorful suit jackets and the gear. and His, his look, his disposition, his gimmick, it all fits so well with the tone of the song. Can we can we talk to... I mean, it sounds almost like a... Um, like, to me, the first time I heard this, I'm like, this sounds like it's something from a... Like a Japanese like uh, sitcom or something. Funny but, you should say but that. But it's actually from it's a, the theme song to a yeah, show. Yeah. yeah, it's a theme song to a drama though, which I found a little surprising. Like I can't imagine this being very dramatic, but it's a show called Psycho no Katamoe, uh, or also called White Love Story. And Psycho no Kata Katamoe means like both best unrequited love. So, you know, I guess it's about a some kind of love story with. Uh, where only one person's into the other person. So. And that's the song. It's on the lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, a, let me just, read the synopsis of it because it's only two lines anyway. It's a tale of one-sided love. Karumi works in a travel agency. She falls in love with Kosuke after an accidental meeting on a train. Kosuke's a skiing ace. He's still in love with Noriko, a classmate from college. Noriko is trapped by her hopeless love for a married man. Karumi follows Kosuke and his friends on a skiing trip to snowy Hokkaido. Who can unravel this tangled web of one-sided love? There you go. So this only somehow this all got worked out in one season of eleven episodes, by the way. So from like January '95 to March '95. I mean, like Japanese shows in general, a lot of them are just like it's not like American shows where it's like Japanese shows, anime and otherwise are like here's our story, here, we're doing one season, goodbye. <laughs> like that's basically it. So it's a very different kind of vibe than these shows that just go on forever here. I um, want to talk about the Jiro entrance. Yes, it's Because something. if you thought The Undertaker takes forever to get in the ring, <laughs> then you've never seen Jiro because he takes so long to get in the ring. Like, he's going through the crowd, he's high-fiving people, he's doing cartwheels on the apron, and he'll tease going into the ring, but then he'll do stuff like jump from one apron over the turnbuckle to the other apron. He'll do this thing where he does like a serpentine in and out of the ropes, and he won't actually just get in the ring. It's a very comical entrance. And it's like he, he's so full of joy and happiness and jubilation that he just wants to show it off to the crowd as long as possible with his entrance. I, and, did we even mention that he wears this jacket everywhere? Like, was one of his nicknames his jackets? <laughs> we did not yet, no. So so he like he tugs on it a lot as like part of the entrance. And, like, I just, in my head, when I think of EKMN, what, what I'll think of immediately is, like, him standing on the apron, holding the jacket with both hands, and, like, leading the crowd in chanting EKMN, but, like, doing it with his jacket, like, putting up one side, putting up the other side, <laughs> dut, putting dut, up the dut, other dut, side. Dut, dut, yeah. dut. <laughs> and, like, he does all this in, like, super great timing with the music, too. Like, he'll often time it, so, like, his... One of his, like, fake hop-outs will be, and then his, like, pose will be, like, or hopping in and out of the ring or whatever, will be, like, right when the, the chorus hits. So, you know, it, he'll, he'll time that really, really well. So, good job for him, I guess. And he'll do that multiple times, too, where, like, you know, every time the chorus hits, he'll time a, a fake ring entry and then a pose. So, I mean, he'll often go through the entire, like, four-minute song, so. Yeah, luckily this song is four minutes long, so he's got plenty of time for the entrance. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the but the funniest part to me is always when the referees get mad. It's like, how are you like? Is this your first day? I don't understand. It's like <laughs> he does this every time. Like, why are you so upset? Like, I understand if it was his opponent, but it's like, what? You're the fucking refs. You you really that big a rush? You'll get some sake? I don't understand. It's like Wada 
in All Japan when Kento has the guy's head against the ring post <laughs> and he's sticking his tongue out, blah, and Wada's trying to pull him off by the hair and the ears. And it's like, dude, he does it every single match. Just yeah. let him get it out of his system, please. Just, just let him go, all right? <laughs> but yeah, the refs, some of the refs get very angry with Jiro, and I'm like, you need to chill. He does this every single time. He's not gonna, <laughs> you're not going to be the one ref that's like, all right, this time I'm going to convince him to just get in the goddamn ring and start the match. And it's like, no, it's not going to work. All right, John, we've reached the final theme of the episode, the final wrestler, the final promotion, and I think we've saved the biggest and the best for last. This is for All Japan Pro Wrestling, and there have been, you know, just so many legends who have walked the hallowed halls of All Japan Pro Wrestling. Giant Baba, Jumbo Saruda, Genichiro Tenru, the Four Pillars of Heaven, Stan Hansen, Jun Nakayama, Keiji Mudo, Suwama, Kento Miyahara, and none of them, none of them can hold a candle to this man. This man is an international icon. This man is a guaranteed future Hall of Famer. This man, ladies and gentlemen, is world famous Yoshitatsu. And Yoshitatsu's theme is one that he originally used in New Japan before he made the jump to All Japan. It's by Inosuke Kitamura off of the album NJPW Greatest Music 3. This is World Famous. To sum this theme up as best I can, eh, it's a, uh, you know, it's a theme. It's a theme. It's fine. It's fine. You know, it, it's fine. It's your standard big rock instrumental. I, I don't have much else to say about it, really, because there's not much to say about it, you know, but I will say this, though. I do love, I, I really do love the big dramatic piano intro at Yes! The start. Okay, if I had to bring one thing about this song... He this at the end of his New Japan run, especially like even even pretty b- way before the end, actually. But once it was clear that he was like pretty much a bottom of the tier guy, and he still had this long dramatic like it's intro. this big epic build up, <laughs> and it gets y'all pumped up, and oh here we go, baby, come on! But at the same time, it's for Yoshitatsu, and honestly, I got nothing against Yoshitatsu, <laughs> but still, it's this dramatic intro for. Yoshi Tatsu? It reminds me. It's funny because Yoshi and Yoshi. It reminds me of Yoshi Hashi when yes. he has. I thought of the when same thing. Yes. He has that long yes. intro, huh, and it's like huh. 
It's for the. It's like a ten-hour-long intro for you. I've sat in crowds where we're all just looking at each other, like, "Why are we doing this? Why are we sitting here, sitting through this fucking intro for the man who just went like one and eight in the G1, Yoshihashi?" But G1 crowds will not sit through that this year. But yeah, they have that in common. It's big, long. I remember when I sat through it. I guess Invasion Attack 2016. He was in like a six-man tag or something. I think for the the never. I think it was him, Tanahashi, and Elgin versus Kenny and the Bucks for the six-man belts. So I'm pretty sure, even though he's team with Tanahashi, he got his own entrance with that theme song. I'm like, really, we can't just let him come out with Tanahashi's theme. Well, to be fair, this was right (laughs) after he came back from the big broken neck injury. Yeah, which you know was a pretty big return for him. But you know, even still, I mean, it's Yoshitatsu we're talking about here. You know, the other thing we need to talk about is what. New Japan's IP department. Uh, they got to get somebody on the phone, I guess, because yeah. like first of all, he took he took the theme and apparently just uses it everywhere in, in all Japan and other places. He even had for the longest time. I think he still might have them, like these tights with the fucking Bullet Club logo on it, because he's the Bullet Club Hunter. <laughs> I'm just like, why? He's been out of New Japan for like over a, you know over a year at some point, and I just turned on All Japan. And there he is, the Bullet Club Hunter. I'm like. First of all, why is this allowed? Why is he allowed to have the Bullet Club logo on his tight still? And second of all, you're, you must be a pretty bad hunter because you're in the wrong... So it's like you're calling yourself a line hunter and then you go to the Antarctic or something. It's like you're kind of in the wrong environment, buddy, for to hunt the Bullet Club. But yeah, it was uh, very bizarre that he still... I think he still wears those tights to this day, even. You know, he does have the, that blue and red one that he wears a lot too now. But, but yeah, it's just very... Very interesting. I have to admit, I miss the. It pissed a lot of people off back in the day, but I miss when he like really leaned into the fact that he's the hunter. And oh, the pedigree! It, yeah. it just it just had hunter on his tights, and then he had and then he spit the water. I the first time he did, it, I laughed really hard. I have to. Some people thought that was stupid or like geeky, but I thought that was really fucking funny. So. Yeah, and he wore the short trunks like Triple H too. Yes, uh, I thought that was really funny, but whatever. Some people hated it. Well, there was the whole Bone Soldier feud, which was just fucking <laughs> garbage, and his hair like became so curly and, and dry looking, and he looked really bad there for a long while. But then again, you know, uh, he did come back from a broken neck, yeah. and whatever you want to say about the guy, he's not like amazing, but he's gotten better over the past few years since he went to All Japan, and I think it's pretty remarkable that he came back at all after that injury. So you know, good on the guy. I mean, he said. He's had a good run in All Japan. He he's been in some really good tag matches with Kento. He he gets surprised every once in a while. I don't. I got I got no complaints with Yoshitatsu. All right. Well, that was the first edition of Jammin' Around Japan. I think it was a lot of fun to do. I don't know exactly when the next one will come out. Somewhere down the road, I'm sure. But uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it because Japan it has just so many great theme songs. And any time I get a chance to talk about them is always very fulfilling and exciting, John. Yes, I had a great time too, Andrew. Thanks for having me on, I guess, for my third time? Yep, because the first one was Dragon Gate, the second was DDT, and this is more Japan stuff. So uh, I think we found your wheelhouse there, John. <laughs> next time next time it'll be Best of WWE, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Best of Ring of Honor. Uh, but not like classic Ring of Honor, like current Ring of Honor. Yeah, current Ring of Honor. I was going to say, best of Ring of Honor, like classic, I, that'd be great for Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Listen, I, I'll be down for that for sure, yeah. I lived I lived through the whole friggin' era, but no, best of Ring of Honor right now, man, no, not, not really. 
All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, thank you, John, for being back on the show here. It's always a treat talking to you uh, either here or on Wrestling Omikaze, and uh, this is no different, for sure. Uh, so any plugs you want to give, go right ahead. So we do Wrestling Omikaze every single week, um, you know, always different different types of wrestling all the time, but obviously mainly Japanese wrestling. Uh, I think this is coming out right after we would have just put up an episode from live from Dallas after the G1 Dallas show, which I have not yet attended, but I will be attending and I will have attended by the time you listen to this. It's very, I feel like I'm in WCW in 1992 right now, but there you go. <laughs> so definitely check that out. Our live thoughts from Dallas. Um, we'll be following along with the G1 all summer. Uh, the next episode after you listen to this should probably be We'll be doing the G1 First Few Nights in Japan, plus also DDT Peter Pan. So definitely look out for that. Um, and you can follow us on Twitter at WrestleOmakase. Andrew, do you know why that is? Because Wrestling Omakase is too long for Twitter. Yes, wrestling did not fit. So. <laughs> oh, Twitter. Oh, Twitter. And uh, Music of the Mat is also part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network, just like Wrestling Omakase. You can find our two podcasts and other great podcasts on there at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at MusicOfTheMat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. You can check out the YouTube playlist for this and all past episodes at the VOW forums. That's VoicesOfWrestling.com slash forum. And of course, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. Uh, John, thank you again, and I'll see you around. Thanks, Andrew. All right, for John Carroll, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.